In a world that's falling further into chaos and disorder day after day. A world devoid of masculinity. A world where the most basic tenets of reality have come into question. A world where masculinity is deemed toxic and men and women are at war with each other. It's clearer now more than ever that we need a return of strong men and a remembering of what it means to be a man. A revival of common sense. A revival of the union between men and women. A revival of the masculine spirit in men. This is the Masculine Revival Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Masculine Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Schmidt. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Pantil. 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 Yeah, shout out to our friend, mutual friend, Reed. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, Reed. That's variation number what, 17 of my last name? Yeah, so Reed was calling you Mike Pantil before the podcast was even a thing. And he was calling you Brandon. That's where that came from, too. Yeah, Brandon for about eight months. In a men's group with me for eight months, calling me Brandon. So shout out to Reed. We love you, Reed. Mike, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing very well. Um, energy is high as it always is. Um, honestly, man, the more we do these, these episodes, I'm just I'm just grateful to be here. I know we mention it every week, but these messages that we get between episodes is just mind-blowing to me. Um, yeah, feeling good, man. How about you? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, you know, I woke up today and I was just ready for another unhinged misogynistic rant. <laughs> I, was feeling, I was feeling really pent up, you know, I just need to blow off some steam. And that's pretty much what this podcast is about. It's just giving yeah. us a space to, you know, discharge the toxicity that we both carry as white cisgendered males. That's so, that's so true. Um, this is just really a platform for us to just kind of like allocate our hate somewhere because otherwise yes. our wives get the brunt end of it and our daughters do. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta park it somewhere. And that's <laughs> principle number one of masculine leadership. You gotta park your hate so you can show yeah. up for your daughter and wife effectively. And so in this case, we're parking it in the listener's ears. So uh, you're welcome. And thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I have such dry humor that sometimes I wonder if the, you know, the new listeners, like this guy's serious. (laughs) Bro, if they don't get that, you're, you're, you're joking, then just sign off. Come on. It's not for you. Okay. So for the men that are listening, if you've been listening to the podcast and you're getting value from it, our recommendation is that you consider at the very least, either joining the mask and rival brotherhood or signing up for one-on-one coaching with Mike, Mr. Pantel, because this is where we actually help men apply the principles that we're talking about on this show. So Mike, anything you want to say about that? Yeah, I just, I think it's a, a, the logical next step for any man that's struggling with the areas of, you know, brotherhood, even with fitness, marital leadership, courtship, if you're struggling with lust, um, you know, um, specifically for the Christian men with your masculine identity, masculine frame, killing the nice guy. The guys that have seen the most success have done a combination of the group brotherhood stuff with you and with me because I lead a group or and the one-on-one coaching with me. So again, we don't uh, shill our services all the time in every podcast. We want to keep the messaging pure. But for anybody that's interested in really the application of all this wisdom that we're speaking about, either sign up for the brotherhood. It's life-changing. It's changed my life or one-on-one coaching with myself. If you want to see some testimonials, go look at my testimonials highlight on my Instagram or just reach out if you have any questions. But yeah, it's there. It's helped many men worldwide so far. And we're uh, both super happy and grateful to be doing this kind of work. Yeah. And so much of what we talk about, guys will literally overcome these challenges, these difficulties in, in groups or in coaching with you. So it's a great next step if you're ready to actually put the work in. 
Absolutely. Would love to work with you or have, have you in one of our groups. Boom. Today, the title of our episode is Her Radiance is Your Responsibility. Maybe a bit of a feministic sounding title. Shout out to our Shout man. Shout out Ryan King. <laughs> that was his, I think it was like his first post that really went sort of semi-viral was that it came from him. It was a title. It was like a slide deck carousel post. Um, and so, okay, before we get into the three points, what should we make clear about this, this, this statement? Cause it does sound feministic in a way, right? Yeah. So I guess what's true and what's false about the statement, her radiance is your responsibility. So obviously women are going to love that title. Mm -hmm. Um, it almost makes it sound like women have no responsibility in a marriage. Right. So I don't know, Mike, what would you say is false about the statement? Her radiance is your What's false is that a woman has no responsibility for her own radiance or how she shows up in her marriage. Again, we've talked about this idea many times in previous episodes where there's this idea perpetuated in social media, specifically on Instagram. It's a little bit more, a um, little bit more, um, uh, feminine in that way, where as long as a man shows up as like this perfect, like masculine Fabio on a horse with a Bible in his hand, a woman is able to like relax in her femininity and show up the way that she's supposed to, which puts all of the responsibility on the men and zero responsibility on, on, on the women for showing up in, in their marriages. Um, and I think that's a false idea because women are not children. Women are adults. Um, they have a responsibility. There's things that they have to bring to the table, whether they like it or not, and duties that they have to fulfill just just like us. Now, at the same time, I will also say I do think men carry the majority of the responsibility, but that does not say that a woman carries none. What do you think? I would agree with that. I would say that actually my thoughts on this topic are not fully digested. Are you familiar with Doug Wilson? I am. Yeah, so the pastor down in Moscow, Idaho. So he has a book. It's called The Covenant Household. Hmm. And in that book, he says something really interesting. He actually says that um, men are 100% responsible for their marriage. And even this, even including the sins of their wife. Hmm. So it's that's an interesting thought. And I guess what he says is as Christian men, we're called to follow Jesus' ex Jesus's example for us, right? And he took on sin that wasn't his on our behalf. True. And as husbands, we're actually called to do the same. So if you think about it, we're the head of the household. We're the head of our wife. Um, so therefore, we're kind of like the representative of our family unit before God. Ultimately, she's responsible for her own sin. But as the leader of the marriage, the man kind of answers for that sin in some sense as well. Right. So I think that's a pretty interesting idea. And I think that if more men took that perspective i think marriages would probably be stronger i don't disagree i don't disagree with that at all when you when you break it down in terms of jesus um abs absorbing the sin that wasn't his and he didn't have to because um, he was sinless himself it does lend itself to that idea and le and the role of leader everybody wants to uh uh, uh yeah romanticize the role of leader but what comes with it is is responsibilities you don't want to have to take and so i don't i can't say that i disagree with this what I what I think the problem is with the average, you know, pastor teaching this in a church or just kind of like the the social narrative as it is, is that there's no uh, there's very little discussion around female sin. Right. There's all this discussion right. about men being culpable and and having to bear this responsibility, which is true, but I, th I think at the same time, there's a reality of female nature and sin that needs to be addressed and discussed. 
otherwise you kind of get this 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 feminist version of christianity and perpetuity that you were kind of seeing right now you know what well, i mean it's interesting because i think on one hand i see a lot of this servant leadership narrative in the mm -hmm. christian world where the way that that's embodied often is very beta simpish kind of energy yep. it's like kind of groveling for her attention and she can do no wrong and you know at every twist and turn you need to just be like going out of your way to make her happy, like happy wife, happy life type thing. Maybe it's a bit of an overcorrection for a man to take 100% responsibility for the sins of his wife. But I get the, I get the concept. Maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Because otherwise there, there wouldn't be books like the reviling wife, which is one of very few books. I think it was Dr. David Edgington mm -hmm. that wrote that book. Um, I'm, I think I'm getting his name right. Yeah. And I think there was there was that that reel that went viral on Will Spencer. Shout out Will Spencer, Red of Men, on his podcast with Eric Khan was talking about how you know couples would go to marital counseling, and the man would talk about you know, all the things that he's doing wrong. And and the worst thing the woman would do was not loving herself enough. And it's like what? Right. Yeah. Wait a second. So man's got to be responsible for all of this sin, but the worst thing the woman did was just not loving herself enough. You're like whoa, whoa, whoa there's a huge disconnect. I can agree with the idea of shouldering the responsibility. Mm -hmm. and the majority of it but it's like i thought in marriage it's got to be 100 percent, 100 percent. so that means she's got to show up and take some responsibility for actions as well you can't yeah. just be you know what i'm saying it's, it's really hard to pin down exactly what the intersection yeah. is between that where it's like yes it's neither of us are feminists right and it's not like this feministic like men need to be perfect so that women can be submiss submissive that's not what we're saying women do need to be responsible for themselves. They need to strive for their own ideal. I guess maybe it's like the Proverbs 31 Christian mm -hmm. woman, right? Like embody that. There's, yeah, there's still some sort of a gap between these, these two things though. For sure. But, but, you know, everybody wants to talk about when Paul says, you know, husbands love wives, like Christ loved the church, but how about uh, wives submit yourself to your husband's authority? Why is it like a in all things? In all things, of course, like, and we have to preface it because people, you know, people will screech. We're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about infidelity, but if he's a Homer Simpson, lazy kind of guy or whatever, and he's not abusive, he's not unfaithful, you have to be loyal and obedient to him regardless of his performance. And I don't think that's really touched upon. What I can speak authentically to is the times that I haven't showed up in my marriage and my, you know, there was chaos between my wife and I, what changed the course in our dynamic was me bucking up and taking responsibility for the things I was failing at, not praying with her enough, not reading the Bible with her enough, um, not being calm with her when she was being emotional and going tit for tat and all these things. You, you made a brilliant post about this, the mistakes in marriage today. I think when guys correct those fundamental pieces, I think there is a more, there's peace and harmony within marriage. But again, that's not to say that my wife doesn't have culpability in changing her behavior as well. I just had to lead the charge with the change. That's how I kind of make sense of it. Yeah, and I would say that maybe... So maybe saying her radiance is your responsibility is not 100% true. Maybe a better way a man can think about it is you should act as if her radiance is your responsibility. Brilliant. Right. So that really leads into our, our first. So we're going to talk about three different ways that men can think about the concept of masculine leadership. And the first one is this mindset of taking extreme ownership. So Mike, what would you say about, about this one here? I think you got to treat everything as if it's your fault. Hmm. And maybe that's, that maybe that's the whole principle that Doug Wilson's talking about, right? Is a man should yeah. have that perspective. It's like, I, I think about it like this, you know, like uh, a CEO or a boss, say, say you're a manager and an employee makes a big mess. They screw something up big time. The manager is going to, at the very least, have a 
firm talking to. It happened on his watch, right? So anything below the manager position, it's ultimately his responsibility. You see this with police too, right? It's like if a cop does something out of line, often the sergeant will get fired. Right. Right. And is it is it any different in, in a family unit if the man is the head and the wife does something? There, there's a level to it where it's like it happened on your watch, right? She was under your care. Yeah, it's like, you know, that's a good point. Why should we treat marriage any different than like a business structure or, or a team? I've been a captain of sports teams. And, you know, um, even you can say in a, in a business structure hierarchy where the culture of the team, the culture of the, the company is downstream from the apex of that pyramid, which is the CEO, which is the captain. Mm -hmm. So I think the only way to approach it, whether we like it or not, is if we want to be the leaders of our homes, we have to understand like heavy is the head that wears the crown. So your wife is acting a certain way and that happened on your watch. There's probably something that you're not doing. Doesn't mean she shouldn't take responsibility for it as an individual human that's in part of this one flesh marital covenant with you. But you have to treat it like it's it's a mistake that you've made and address it accordingly. Yep. And I would say as well that, um, you know, I think guys will often fall into this. So the opposite of extreme ownership mindset in my mind is being a victim. Mm -hmm. Everything's happening to you. And you'll get guys that will say, oh, you know, my wife is overweight. She's nagging. She's blah, blah, blah. And that's why I can't or won't or don't fill in the blank. That's not, there's nothing good there for a husband, right? And it's like that again, like how are you going to help her with that issue? Like that's, that's how I think about it in, in a marriage. It's like if my wife is having an issue, that's my responsibility to identify what the issue is, sit with her in that issue, and then help her come up with a path forward of how she's going to get out of it. Like it's my responsibility to, to very like, well said. It, I, I'm ne I'm negligent as a husband if she's struggling in a certain domain of life, and I'm just like, oh well, I really hope you figure that out. Good luck with that. I think the same guys that prescribe to that kind of mentality are the same guys that are like, my wife won't let me lead. Mm, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like, you're just a victim of circumstance and you're just kind of like going with the current and you're like a leaf in the wind instead of taking charge for your relationship as you should as a man and taking care of your roles and your duties first and foremost, instead of, and then if she's struggling or floundering with something, if your wife is overweight and you don't like it, the part of that is your fault because you haven't inspired her to do anything differently. You haven't encouraged her to do anything differently. You failed to protect her in that way. And so I think we have such a narrow scope of what protector and provider actually means. Those, those, those things encompass so many different aspects. Okay, you're a protector physically, but are you praying with your family? You're praying with her. Are you leading her spiritually? Are you protecting her spiritually as well? Are you protecting your marriage spiritually as well? Are you providing spiritual headship? And so it's we've, we've kind of looked and reduced these things down to purely just material or physical. Mm -hmm. I think that's a failure on the church's part and a failure, you know, on, I think the shoulders of men, because we be kind of become complacent in that role as well. I'm kind of, this is not, this is to, to those listening right now, you're kind of like, where are these guys even headed? This is idea exploration out loud right now. Absolutely. Because I don't think, dude, I, I have not heard this spoken about much at all. There's new, there's a lot of nuance to this for sure. Tons. So, and I hate being the one saying there's nuance, but this is one of those, those times for sure. Yeah. So I would say as well that, you know, the way that I think about marriage, being a husband and being a father, is that I think that the state of my marriage is my responsibility. 
the state of my household is my responsibility and the state of my children is my responsibility. If a person like walks into my house and it's a chaotic, disastrous mess, I feel like that's on me. There's a failure on my part to order my household, right? If my, if my marriage is dysfunctional, again, that's happening on my watch. If my children are misbehaving, that's a reflection on me as a father. Where's the leadership, right? So extreme ownership is really important. But you were saying earlier that men will sometimes say this line about, you know, she won't let me lead. How, how does a man navigate that dynamic where, you know, the wife is really resistant to this idea of him taking leadership? What would you say is the answer to that? How do you navigate that? I think first and foremost, he has to address and be honest with himself and first come to terms with the fact that he's abdicated his role and it's been like that for a long time. So it's been a slippery slope. It's been kind of like an insidious, like shifting of him being in the driver's seat to her being in the driver's seat. And he has to understand that he's going to be climbing an uphill battle and that she's she's sort of used to this chaotic dynamic. And when he's trying to course correct and become that leader again, she's probably going to buck up against that a little bit. And honestly, rightly so. Like, is it, should it be a seamless transition? Like that's a, that's, that's a coveted role of being a leader and you failed. She's now kind of partially in that. Does that mean she shouldn't possess grace? No, that's not what I'm saying. Should she be purposefully challenging? No, but that's, what's going to come with that flipping of that dynamic. It's like, what areas, um, have you failed? Okay. Your intimacy is dead. You guys have no direction of your finances. There's no spiritual headship. Um, it encompasses so many things address those failures individually. But that starts with being honest with yourself, right? It's like when you get convicted through uh, by God because of sin, you repent first, and then you put forth the action of, you know, that process of sanctification. Does that make sense? Yep. And I would say that if you've dropped the ball repetitively, you need to expect some level of pushback from her as you step into that role, because yeah. she's gonna. It's, it's completely unfamiliar. You've been passive. You've been lazy. You haven't been really fulfilling the role that you're supposed to as a man, and you're stepping into it for the first time. How is she not going to be skeptical, distrustful, hesitant, whatever? And you've got to show up in that and continue to push forward and lead and just stay the course, right? And it's like, we see this in men's group all the time that guys will start to do this process and things will actually get worse for a while where there's more conflict. There's more, she starts to test and push and like, is this guy for real? Is he really about what he's talking about? He's saying, okay, I'm going to start handling the finances. I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to have a vision for the, for the household. Cool story, man. But are you for real? And so she starts to kind of uh, really come at him more and scope and prod and see. Well, cause she, okay. Guys want to talk about this concept of um, shit tests. Right. And I think in this way, it's an inadvertent one, but I think it's justified. What he, what, this is what I mean. How does she trust this is a real change? Again, this doesn't mean that she's purposefully combative, but naturally it's going to happen because you're kind of acting fraudulent or in her way, she assumes it's, you're acting fraudulent. Who's this guy all of a sudden? Is this real? Is he, is he going to stick around or is this just for a season? There's anxiety there because you know she probably or may have not been taken care of for a long time and all of a sudden you're trying to show up. Again, grace is needed, but if you think it's going to be a seamless transition, it shouldn't be, man. You should have to in a way, prove yourself again. I look at it as a guy that's been sedentary for a long time. He finally goes to the gym and his body 
rejects him for that first week, right? You get that soreness, that stiffness, the lack of motivation. You just feel really terrible. Mm -hmm. And it, things get worse physically before they get better. But then you stick with it long enough. You're not as sore. You're getting stronger. You're in the rhythm of doing it. And it's easy. Yeah. And shit tests are the fruit of you not leading the way you're supposed to. Yeah. I don't know about you. I, my wife doesn't shit test me. I don't, I, that's never been a, a part of our relationship ever because from the beginning I knew what I wanted, where I was going, who I was. And she willingly chose to follow because it was a fruitful, good path. And she could see herself living that life with me. Right. So I, I really think that shit tests are the fruit of you not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yep. And then you've got to get through that season where she's testing. Yeah, I've never had to experience this directly in, in my home either. Even in these little areas where I failed before, it's not like my wife tested me again when when I kind of bucked up and took responsibility for these other things. Because as a whole, I was still carrying the weight of my family on my shoulders. She she trusts me. So there's no need for that. I think shit tests come from a fundamental lack of trust. And again, just like you said, it's a fruit of you not carrying responsibility as a man. Now, could that speak to also her kind of having, you know, being reviling or contentious? Sure, but I don't really think, you know, you should come down too hard on her for that if you've failed fundamentally for a long time, right? Like, you don't deserve it for, it for it to be peaceful and harmonious because it hasn't been for her. Yeah. So tying this back to the topic of taking extreme ownership as a, as a leadership mindset, what else would you say about this, Mike? I think you just need, I think every man needs to really take inventory of every area of his marriage and of his household. Um, how intentional are you with her and quality time with her? Are you checking in with her? Are you, you know, doing some sort of selfless act of service, which I think is very important. Are you intentional with your kids? Are you, have you taken charge of the finances? Do you have a clear vision of your future? Have you taken your physical health seriously? Have you taken the spiritual health of your family seriously? Are you taking them to church? You got to really sit down. It's going to take a while. It's going to get messy because what might come up in this process is how many in how many different areas you're failing. Mm -hmm. But you know what? In the modern age with so many Homer Simpson uh, uh, um, complacent fathers and husbands, you should feel shame. Shame is a virtue in this way because that's the only thing that's going to spur you to change. So it's like taking a serious inventory of all the places that you're failing and identifying and addressing those things one by one by one by one. That's a great point too about the shame aspect. Because I often think that, you know, guys will say, how do I change my, my inner self-talk or my inner dialogue? And <laughs> it's really negative. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're actually failing as a husband and a father. You should feel, you should have negative self-talk. You're not living up to the expectation and duty that is placed upon you as a man. <laughs> like straight <it's>, up. <laughs> so that, that needs to be said for sure. And then I would say also that, you know, this whole idea of your wife being your helpmate. Okay. So something that I think about often a couple of weeks ago, actually, I, I kind of sat my wife down for a while in the, in the morning one day. And I was, we were started talking about her priorities because I felt like for a little while she was kind of, she had her priorities misaligned. She was putting too much weight on things that I don't think mattered as much as she thought, she thought that they did. Mm. So I sat her down and said, Hey, this is how I want you to think about this season of life right now. This is where I think you need to be allocating your energy and your time. This is what I think you could do more efficiently. This is what I'd like you to change. And he, like, here's how I'm going to help you with that. You know, she proceeds to have an amazing week where 
she gets all this stuff done. She's like, starts get, getting way ahead on food prep. And it's just that me kind of looking at her, her, her state, where is she at? Right. How is she doing? And then ministering to her, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I see you in that struggle that you're having. Hey, let's like reframe this. Let's come up with a plan together. I see you. Let's walk the path forward. That's my responsibility. That's extreme ownership. It is. And it's, it's really, um, piercing through the chaos that can sometimes exist in a woman's mind, getting to that logical heart of the solution in a loving way, in a loving and assertive way. And then, and just like you said, you, you reap the benefits and the fruit of that pretty quickly because she's on the same page as you. She just kind of needed to, she's kind of veering off over here and you just kind of have to bring her back into line with, you know, being beside you on the path. Something sort of similar happened. And this is very easy. And I'm sure you've seen this in your, your home as well. When you have kids, it's easy to get into the habit of prioritizing the children above your spouse. It should be the other way around, right? Yeah. The order is like you honor God first, then you honor yourself. And when you honor yourself, you can honor everybody, quote unquote, below you. And so my my family and I might be undergoing some changes. I've spoke to you about this off the podcast. I'm not going to get into this now. But I, I looked at my wife and I grabbed her and I, and I put my hands on her shoulders and I said, hey, listen, you are my priority. You are my priority above our children. Because I know if I'm taking care of you, if I'm taking care of our union, we're taking care of our children by doing that because we're honoring God through that. Mm. We're each other's priority. We need to shift this around. You're spending, you know, too much time worrying about the kids, which is, which is all good. I'm spending too much time worrying about provision and uh, over our home and everything. We have to come into alignment. Like you're my, you're my top priority. If I take care of you, everything else is taken care of. And she kind of looked at me and she started to tear up and it kind of just like, she relaxed. There was a visible like relaxation, like, yeah, no, you're right. We are each other's priority. We had this all kind of screwed up and, Praise God, there's been peace since then. And sometimes you need those reminders, man. That's extreme ownership too. Amen. Yeah, and I think a lot of modern couples really get this twisted where it does become children are at the top. Yeah. And it's all about, are the kids good all the time? And then it's it's forgetting that, you know, the husband and wife relationship is really like the foundation of, yeah. their, of the kids' well-being. And if you guys aren't right, there's going to be chaos that kind of flows downstream from that. So that's mm-hmm. huge. I think, okay, so her radiance being your responsibility. Again, we're not saying that men are responsible for absolutely everything in all, in all circumstances. And something that's not talked about a lot in this whole masculine leadership conversation is this idea of holding your wife accountable. Hmm. I know that feminists are just cringing and seething. seething. Just absolutely seething. very upsetting. <laughs> um, so yes, I mean, like, listen, guys, if you see your wife doing something, sinning, is there some issue going on in your marriage, you need to address that. Mm -hmm. You need to address that. So maybe that, maybe this ties right into the next point actually is about number two, being a kind man, not a nice guy. Right. So this super important. It really, it really does tie in well because men need to understand that you're not being nice. You're not being loving. If you're avoiding necessary confrontation and conflict, and sometimes confrontation and conflict is necessary. Here's how I think about it. Sometimes you need to go through a necessary conflict to avoid an unnecessary war down the line. Boom. Right. Sometimes the the most loving thing you can do is go into the heart of a conflict, say hard things, work it out to avoid a way bigger issue down the line. And guys that are hung up on being nice, they're never going to do that because it's, niceness is shallow. There's nothing, there's no depth to it. There's no reality to it. Right. What would you say the difference is between being nice and kind? Well, a nice guy thinks by, you know, he's conflating loving his wife like Christ loved the church and 
this is how I'm split with, with being a strong leader. Like, okay, I'm just going to be nice to her and this is my role. But really you've abdicated your role as leader by being a nice guy. The best thing a man can do is sometimes say no to his wife and get ahead of conflict. So it doesn't just like you said, lead to a war down the line. And that involves, and a lot of these nice guys are just not comfortable in these uncomfortable situations. And in the process, they, they don't, I wouldn't say they allow their wives. They invite their wives and urge their wives to steamroll them because there is no structure of leadership. And I hate this, like this, this metaphor, because, you know, we talk about the container and the liquid or the, 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 <laughs> the, 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 the water and the, and, and the rock, but that really sometimes is that, that dynamic. And so when that container's opened, that, 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 you know, liquid, that energy, that essence kind of just can flow everywhere and it can be chaotic. And sometimes it takes us saying no, being firm, being assertive, um, and sitting them down and having an uncomfortable situation conversation when you don't want to. Um, and nice guys think that they're doing the godly thing by avoiding this and just by, you know, being yes, dear, happy wife, happy life. But that's another way that you're failing. And that's going to corrode and metastasize into other areas of your marriage. And now she's, she's taking the role of leadership and now you're in a miserable, chaotic household. Oh man, it gets me going. Cause I, I know that there are these guys, it's like the, the whole Christian nice guy is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very much this whole, um, oh, I'm just going to love her. Like Christ loved the church. I'm just going to lay myself down all the time. Right. And it's what it is, is it's all heart, no spine. Love it. And you need to have both. You can't, you know, all spine, no heart. That's a problem too. A man has to have access to both. And the way that I think about this whole, like kind man, nice guy type thing is a, ma a man's duty in a marriage is to uphold the truth. Yep. Really, really in his life and in his relationships as well. Right. It's like a, a trustworthy man of integrity is a man that can uphold the truth, even when it's difficult. So you're either catering to feelings, trying to like create this fake temporary peace. It's not real. Or you speak the truth to get to a loving outcome, right? Like think about it as a father. It's like sometimes you need to uh, hurt feelings, grab, grab a hand from touching the stove, whatever. It, it's like that. Like you got you to gotta be a bit aggressive sometimes in, in loving, right? Absolutely. And there's, we're talking, <laughs> let's give some specific examples because a lot of guys want to avoid some of these examples. If you're not happy with the way that your, if your wife is overweight and she's not taking her care of herself around the home, that's something you need to address. Now, and just about that. Is that, is it loving if your wife is overweight and you don't say anything as a husband and you don't, you don't get involved. You just no. quietly hope and wish that maybe she'll, you know, get it together on her own. Come There's on, two bro. pieces to this. I agree because <laughs> you're allow you're you're allowing her to get by on being unhealthy. You want her to be around for a long time, not just because you want to be sexually attracted to her. It's not just about that. That's a piece to it. You also want her to be around and honor her body. But you want okay. So going back to extreme ownership, you better also be in the gym and taking care of yourself first and foremost, my man. Do not speak from this high horse, this ivory tower, and do as I say, not as I do type of bullcrap, because that's not going to fly. So you better already be taking care of yourself. But it's having conversations like that. If your wife is not putting herself together like she was before, not really putting um, effort into her appearance in front of you, uh, you don't just let that slide either. Right? Because, yeah. again, you're not being loving with her, right? If she's prioritizing kids over you. Now, if she just had a child and she just pushed that baby out, that's different. There's going to be a temporary shift there. But if you notice this prioritization of kids over you, you got to have that conversation. If there's um, less than savory friends in her social circle, you've got to have that conversation. 
if she's uh we've talked about this before if she's consuming negative social media content or antithetical to you know what you guys are trying to do as husband and wife you got to have that conversation guys don't want to do that though they don't want to do that that's real that's kindness it is that is kindness it's kind to have that conversation being kind isn't always nice no and and you know like I, I wrote down as well that you know doing the right thing isn't always popular and that's leadership right like elliot hall says this great quote too he says being you can't be a nice guy and be a leader in the home and again, point of nuance here. We're not saying that you have permission to be a tyrant, a dictator, right? But think, if, if you're passive and spineless, you aren't you aren't able to uphold love in your household. Agreed. I think one thing is is and again, this is that nuance piece. The same way that I speak to my daughters and way the way that or my my two year old, not my three month old, because she doesn't really know anything right now, but my little my two year old. When I speak to her on her level and I'm calm, I get through to her the most. So the same can be said about your wife. You're not going to sit there and you're going to flip tables and act like an absolute asshole. These conversations, especially pertaining to her health or the way she's putting herself together or whatever, you got to you got to be assertive and stern, but you have to be loving. Hmm. Don't be swearing, spouting out, uh, spouting out uh, at your mouth and and being hurtful and offensive. Because now that's no longer like righteous anger. Because righteous anger doesn't have to be expressed with over-the-top emotions. You can be very calm mm -hmm. and righteously angry. And I think that's a true expression because what you're trying to do is get to the heart of the truth and love. You're not trying to offend and you're not trying to hurt. Yes. Important distinction. And there, But there is also a distinction too in the fact that I think sometimes men overvalue being calm. When they actually, right. maybe your wife actually needs you to have a, a calibrated display of emotion. Right. That you need to actually step in and, and put your heart on the line and say, I love you enough to say to you, you need to get your shit together in this mm -hmm. way. Right. And it needs to be passionate and convicted. It can't just be like, you know, logically and rationally, I was thinking about the fact that blah, 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 <laughs> there, there's, there's a, there's a time and place for that. And there's a time and a place to actually show some emotion and conviction and passion. I fully agree. I think again, idea exploration out loud. If I'm trying to think about these times in my marriage, there's been times I've been a tyrant, but I think men need to operate by rules of engagement in a way. I think always trying to approach situations from a position of calmness, but if she, you find she's bucking up against that and getting haughty and over the top now that's when you not overpower but again show your masculinity show your fangs a little bit in, in a in a good way this is also really good for your love life too guys women like these like they they want a man that can show these emotions in a very passionate and calibrated and integrated way it's not the, you don't start flipping tables and, and swearing but in a way you kind of have to overpower those emotions yeah and that's like how you do that Meet, meet the emotions and contain them. It, it, dude, dropping bombs. That's a beautiful one. Meet the emotions and contain them. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. And then it's straight to the trad wife cell. She keeps acting yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> trad wife cell. <laughs> Forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. There's a little container in my basement. It's like a five by five room. Yeah, exactly. It, it really, it really comes in handy, man. You know, it does. <laughs> bread and water every couple of hours just kidding guys just kidding yeah so 
Okay, so anything else to say about being kind and not being a nice guy? We have, we actually haven't talked too much about the nice guy syndrome in general yet, have we? No, we haven't. I think that should, is deserving of its own episode because the yeah. majority of the guys that come to me for coaching are all Christian men. Thank God it's become like a ministry, but all of them are nice guys trying to kill this nice guy syndrome. So I think worthy of an episode by itself. There's, an, there's a quote from, and I don't like the majority of what this guy says, but there's some value here. Jack Donovan, okay? <laughs> Okay, you you can be a man, <laughs> a good man and a man are two different things. A man ideally has to be both, right? Because you can be a good man, you're kind, you're nice, all these things. But if you're not a man, if you're not capable of harnessing power, I think the biblical word for this is meekness. You have a sword, you know how to use it, but you keep it concealed. That's a great Jack Donovan quote, though. It so is. It's um, there's being a good man and there's being good at being a man. That that's that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Okay, so the nice guy thing, let's come back to that on a whole episode at some point. For sure. Let's do that's, it. That's really important. Okay, so the last sort of mindset of masculine leadership point that we're going to share today is about inspiring her submission. Ooh, so, you, said the, you said the S word, Brendan. Yes, submission. Um, but <laughs> women love when you say a man has to inspire her submission. Again, that's a, that's a softening of a biblical concept. Yeah. So in the Bible does not say that, you know, a man is to inspire her submission. It says that a wife is to submit to her husband in all things. And that's regardless of performance. I'm not even going to give the, the caveat about abuse and infidelity. <laughs> I forget about that for a minute. It's already been said. Yeah. Um, but again, a man should have the attitude of it is my job to inspire her submission, right? Like you want to make it enjoyable and as easy as possible for her to submit to you. It should be mm -hmm. a joy for her to do it. It shouldn't be you sitting around with Cheeto dust in your belly button, as Mike Pantel said. Love it. And then, you know, demanding and expecting like, woman, submit to me, right? That's not what we're talking about. So a man should absolutely have the attitude that it's up to him to inspire her to submit. I totally agree. Guys, do you, do you want duty sex or do you want inspired sex? Let's get to the heart of the motivation a lot of times, right? Of course. <laughs> No, let's be real. Okay. Um, every guy wants a enthusiastic, intimate life, right? You're not going to do that by demanding respect and submission. In fact, I think if you're demanding sub submission and respect, you've lost both of those things. And a good woman, a godly woman will probably do those things because she's honoring God, but she's not going to do so to the best of the, her ability or to like the full glory and honor of God because she just doesn't respect you. You don't inspire that from her. When you command respect and submission, it's completely different. And so, but I think this goes back to, you cannot inspire that from her without taking extreme ownership. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's interesting because I think that some, a man is the authority in the home and a man can hide behind that title. Oh, for sure, man. And expect things like, you know, you can point to Bible verses and say, Hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. But you're right that it is just far better when a man is like really living in a way that's worthy of being the authority of his home. Yeah. It just makes everything flow so much better. Where it's like, are you just pointing to the struct, the biblical structure and not really like embodying that and living up to the standard? That's, that's the problem. Well, I just, I think it hasn't really been clearly laid out by the church either, man. I think we, it, it kind of goes back to men don't know. And a lot of these guys in, Christ, in in these Christian homes that have been raised in Christian homes, I've seen it in our men's groups. I see it in 
coaching, they're raised by nice guys. Mm-hmm. And they're Christians and they're great and they're well-adjusted, but they have no idea of how to ma- harness that masculine energy. There really hasn't been um, a church leader that's properly, or at least many, that have taken sort of like the exegesis, drawing the meaning out of the Bible and applying it in a way that guys understand how to embody this role. And so here you have guys like you and me trying to speak to like the Joes in Missouri because we've been through, we've been on the opposite end where we've been completely degenerate. But how about those guys that don't have those kind of paths? How can we teach them? You need to embody this sort of like masculine essence, this godly masculine essence to inspire her submission to you instead of just t- turning to the task t- uh, text and being this like sweater vest wearing, slope shoulders, skinny fat, Cheeto dust collecting, passive nice guy with no spine in his home. Come on, bro. You're not going to get the best version of your wife by being that dude. Well, I think I think that men are modern men are afraid of becoming the tyrant or the dictator. Like there's like that constant kind of talking about it, right? Like right. don't be that man. Don't be mm. that guy. And uh then so then you have the flip side, the other extreme is that passive beta simpish, meek and mild, turn the other cheek, uh peace is the highest priority, keep peace at any any cost even if it means, you know, sacrificing your needs, wants, desires, uh, anything to make her happy, you know, just, it's all about her happiness. It's all about her fulfillment. They're, they're both. So the tyrant is an extreme and the, the passive nice guy is an extreme. And it's again, that, that middle point of integration, having access to, you know, can you be authoritative and firm and strong on one hand? And can you be soft, gentle, tender on the other? It's funny what happens when this is exactly what happened in the garden. The spirit of Adam is passivity and the spirit of Eve is chaos. And so when guys abdicate the responsibility in the homes and, the, and when, or they be, when they become so afraid of sin that they sin by virtue of their pa- passivity and inaction, right? Yeah. Look at the leaders of the Bible. Were, all of the, were any of these men spineless? Even Adam, before like, he made that mistake with the passivity, he walked with authority. Moses, Abraham, Solomon, David. You think were any of these men spineless nice guys or were they kind men? Right. It's like we forgot we've forgotten the the example set for us. Was Jesus just this like hippie liberal cuck or was <laughs> he, you know, firm, strong, savage servant with a spine and a heart? Yeah, but again, how do we explain this properly in tangible ways that guys understand? Where they well, can I think, take. I, I think we're do. I think we're doing it. You know. I think. I think we're there for sure. And, and then I would say, the, the one fear that I always have when we're talking about this stuff too is that you get these women that are listening, where they get into the mindset of, you know, until he's embodying perfect leadership, I will not give him my submission. And that's that's you know, it's fine to have a qualifier with submission prior to being married, but once you're married. The, the best thing that you can do to quote unquote, inspire your husband to lead, which you get all the time in, in the inbox. How do I inspire my husband to lead? The best thing you can do is like fulfill your role as a feminine woman and submit to your husband and get behind him, support him, encourage him, believe in him, not be contentious and reviling. That's your best. And, and you're also going to feel better doing that than occupy stepping into the masculine role because he's not. I think that's super well said. You need to inspire her submission, but she also, there's a, there's a duty on her shoulders to inspire the best in your leadership right? as well, because there's going to be times like none of this happens. Like we're not perfect human beings, man. Like 
there have been times in my marriage where things have been very difficult personally for me. And my wife will give me these like gentle reminders, these encouraging reminders of like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Like, this is what I want to see from you. So, you know, you feel like you're in your role as a man or whatever. And there's like these little reminders that aren't like a poke or a prod. It's like a loving, it's a loving push. That's needed too. Ladies, what do you think is going to get the most out of your husband? Being in the corner with your arms crossed, like just perform monkey and then I'll kind of come forward. Or despite all the emotions that you have of your flesh, not wanting to, is trying to inspire that out of them by being encouraging. There's somewhere in the Bible that talks about this and I can't, it doesn't come off the, the, the top of my, my head. I think it's in Proverbs, but nevertheless, somebody can correct me. But I think women women have a duty. Good women will do that anyways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that submission to your, your husband in all ways. That's that inaction, if I were to really think about it. Yeah. And so all women have the power of being a kingmaker. 100%, man. And so I, I think that you could probably say his radiance is your responsibility, women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, go, it goes both ways, man. It does. Yeah. It does. Starts with the man, though, for sure. It It does. And I would say, I would, I would genuinely say that I still feel a little bit undigested on the concept as a whole, right? Like I think we gave some great principles and I'm very clear on those. I would just say like, maybe listeners, why don't you share your thoughts with us? What do you think? Do you think his radiance is your responsibility? Um, And is a man responsible for the sins of his wife in a marriage? Mm. That's a question. I'd love, I'd love to hear some actual, you know, DM replies from that. Yeah. I think in addition to having that question here, I think putting it on, on Instagram in a, in a story box to kind of gather some insight, I think it would be really good. Um, I think we've laid out some really good points here. Uh, I don't think this has ever really been spoken about to this degree, to this depth. In fact, I think that we could even have like a part two of this conversation once these ideas and these concepts become a little bit more digested. Because mm-hmm. I think we've lent, we've, we've, we've said some tangible examples, but I think there could be probably more tangible examples set. Because we know guys... Guys are a little stupid. <laughs> Guys need like, okay, what do I do, bro? And of course, this is when getting into a men's group or doing coaching is very, very, very beneficial. Um, mm. But I think this conversation has been really fruitful. I think revisiting it, revisiting it in a few months with fresh, a fresh mind would also, I think, be beneficial because yeah. it's a deep one, man. Yeah, and you know, I, I hear you on what you're saying about men needing the practical examples. And I agree with you. I also think truly that this whole concept of masculine leadership is very much a mind. It's very much a mindset. I agree. That if you get the mindset, if you kind of get the essence of the conversation, the application is kind of an extension of that. I fully agree. So my question here, this is tangible. What's the antithesis to this mindset? If we were to just list out qualities, victim mindset. Yeah. Victim. And then absolutely being like a, a nice, nice guy, passive, not taking responsibility. Yes. And I mean, 50, 50 relationship is another one, right? Like oh, just yeah. not having any clear leadership being in the, in the loss in the gray area where it's just, everything's equal and it's all about equality and blah, blah. I think carrying over, I think this is a big one too, is giving her sort of financial burden of the home as well. Mm-hmm. And in some aspects, I think how does that, that kind of kills the uh, feminine desire in a way because you can't fully focus on what her duties are being a dink um, being a dink. oh my god dude yeah you got to be an oink one <laughs> income nine, one income nine kids that's the way come guys. on man let's make that pop let's go <laughs> let's go i also think too man listen this is not just because i'm a gym guy 
And you don't have to become a meathead or a bodybuilder or a powerlifter, but take care of yourselves, guys. Mm -hmm. This is my one, one piece of advice to nice guys. And I go in depth with this with all my coaching guys about this. If you can get comfortable with physical discomfort and changing your body, um, you'll be able to get more com uh, uh, comfortable in the discomfort of difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. There is a direct correlation between those two things. A man that goes from deadlifting 200 pounds to 400 pounds is a different man mentally. This is why fitness and strength, right? To the glory and honor of God, not becoming a, an idol or anything is a vehicle for a lot of these other changes. So a lot of these nice guys are like these skinny, simpish, skinny fat or overweight dudes. Like take care of that first. And that that honestly creates a cascade of improvements across so many different aspects of a man's life. You've experienced it yourself, dude. So have I. Yeah. And then I, I would say just, you know, don't stop at the physical transformation because I think there are some guys where it's like- Agreed. That, that's it. It's strength only. I've done that before. I fell victim to that for sure. I'm strong, so therefore, submit exactly. to other things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Which just because you're jacked with a six pack and packs doesn't mean she should she should submit to you, bro. Yeah, you're being a tyrant. Yeah. Anyways, guys, hopefully that was helpful. I gained a lot from just discussing that out loud, man. I did. Maybe we should do more of these where we kind of just like throw an idea out there and we kind of chew on it and see where we end up. So, just to be real with the listeners right now. Um, Brendan and I usually have a pretty focused idea of what we're talking about with our points and everything. This one actually caused a little bit of anxiety going into this episode because we're like, we only got three points. Like, how are we going to make a, an impactful value uh, oriented episode? Praise God. There's a lot of providential wisdom that flowed through this this episode, man. We're going to give ourselves more credit. I think, I think so. The groundbreaking <laughs> stuff. <laughs> we're leveling up in the world, man. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys very much for listening. And we'll catch you in the next one. It's just going to be our last episode of the year. So it should be a good one. Absolutely. And one quick thing, other than the services that we shilled, if you're not going to do anything, at least just share this podcast with somebody that you think would get some value from it. We're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts. We're not getting paid through doing this. And that's okay if we never get paid through doing this. This is something that's become very fulfilling. But at least just pass it forward. Amen. Well said. All God right, bless guys. you guys. See you in the next one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Masculine Revival Podcast. Remember to leave us a five-star rating and a review if you enjoyed the show. And if you're a man that is in need of brotherhood and want to experience the life-changing results of having the counsel of strong men around you, you must join the Masculine Revival Brotherhood. Iron sharpens iron and all men need brothers. Contact Masculine Revival on Instagram for more details. Or if you're interested in more of a one-on-one -on -one coaching environment, then I currently have spots open in my one-to-one -one men's mentorship. It is an extensive program that is geared towards making you a stronger, more virtuous man capable of fulfilling his potential. Contact me, Mike Pantile, via Instagram for more details. And if you want to share your thoughts on the episode, I encourage you to send one of us a DM. You can find our social media handles in the show notes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.